Welcome to Artificial Intelligence Innovations Meets App Exchange, the bi-weekly show that explores the impact of AI in the Salesforce ecosystem. I'm Jakub Stefaniak, Salesforce Certified Technical Architect and VP of Technology Strategy and Innovation at Akiva Labs, where we help App Exchange partners accelerate their adoption of the latest technologies and get the most out of their Salesforce partnership. In each episode, we sit down with leaders from AppExchange ecosystem to discuss the latest trends and innovation in AI, product development opportunities, and ethical considerations. Our goal is to address critical challenges faced by business, build a community of engaged professionals, and provide insights into the latest trends and innovation in AI to help you stay informed and ahead of the curve. So, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's dive into the world of AI and App Exchange. Hey, hello, welcome, and thank you for accepting our invitation. Could you at the beginning introduce yourself and your role in the App Exchange ecosystem? Hi, thanks. Nice to be here. My name is David Van Hooklum. I'm the founder of a new ISV company called Compete. I also do advisory and coaching work for uh, Salesforce ISVs in the ecosystem. I've uh, been in the ecosystem probably almost 13 or 14 years now. I founded two previous ISVs, which were both acquired. The first one uh, way back in 2010, and it was an HR platform we developed on the on the Salesforce platform as a ISV, OEM ISV, and eventually that was acquired by Financial Force, now Certinia, in 2013. And then subsequently uh, started another ISV in the professional services automation space, which was acquired in uh, 2020 by a close partner of ours, an SI partner of ours in the ecosystem. And now I'm focused more on helping other ISVs go to market successfully in the ecosystem. Awesome. And the new product which you mentioned, I think it's literally a good example of how the world is going to look like because you recently passed the security review and the first version of your app already has some generative AI features included, right? Would you tell us? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a native Salesforce developed package. We went through the security review as you normally would. And we uh, developed some AI components that we thought were really important use cases for our product. Compete is a competitive intelligence product. So it does competitive intelligence and win-loss analysis and personas and ICPs and battle cards, things like that. So we integrated with OpenAI. And we built prompts like a prompt builder. And we use those AI or open AI integrations to perform various things in our product, such as automatically noting the sentiment of customer feedback when customer feedback is created, whether it's positive, negative, or neutral, as an example. We also use uh, AI in our product to automatically discern feedback from win-loss analysis. We use AI to automatically create personas and and ICPs, ideal customer profiles, based on data within the Salesforce system. So yeah, we thought those were great use cases for AI based on a lot of text components in the product, and we'll uh, continue to do so. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting because when you were building the product from scratch, having this technology available, it sounds like you found lots of good use cases. And I have a feeling that many existing ISVs struggle a little bit with making decision what is going to really bring value to the customers versus what it's like sugar coating of already existing features, right? So it's a very fresh perspective on this situation. And you mentioned that you are integrated with OpenAI, right? Do you see in the future chance that, for example, you will switch to Einstein or other technologies or like you picked OpenAI by purpose? 
Yeah, I mean, right now we picked OpenAI because I think it's a little bit early days, obviously, for what Salesforce is doing in Einstein AI, pricing, things like that. So we'll continue to evaluate that. Obviously, I think our customers will eventually demand that we have some sort of integration with Einstein AI itself and their platform. So we'll we'll look at supporting that as well. I think it's, it's an evolution. So we'll continue to invest in our OpenAI integration. We might open that up to other LLMs as well. And that includes Salesforce and what they're doing for Einstein AI as well. I mean, and, and to be honest, Pricing is also a consideration. So depending on what the and pricing ends up being for the Salesforce Einstein AI, we'll probably look at both. So we'll support Einstein AI. We'll also support OpenAI and give our customers a choice there on what they'd like to use. Okay. And I think the one of the biggest questions for SVs is how you currently cover this cost. So like, do you expect your customers to bring their own open AI keys and cover this cost on their own? Or you like hide the fact that they are using open AI literally via some extra interface? Yeah, it's a great question. Right now, we are passing on that cost to our customers. So if they want to use the AI components, they can sign up for OpenAI, put in their OpenAI key, if you will, and and then they can use our OpenAI integration through our product. As you probably know, the cost is not substantial. It's it's fairly low cost right now to use the OpenAI model. I think my last month's bill was $1.88 or something like that during some of our testing. So it's it's not a huge cost, depending on the volume, of course, that our customers are using. And the reason we've, we've passed that cost on is because the customer can have their own partnership with OpenAI, if you will, directly versus us reselling that. And that means that they can contact OpenAI and say, hey, I don't want you to store even the default is 30 days of, of storage of the data when you're using OpenAI, but you can contact OpenAI directly and say, don't store my data at all using the AI integration. So they have some flexibility there having a direct relationship with OpenAI. But we may in turn choose to later on OEM that, if you will, and just have a, a price point of our product that includes the open AI itself. We just haven't done it yet. We're new to the market, so we want to kind of learn from our customers and see the volume of data that you're using, and and then uh, we'll make the decision at that point. Okay, that perfectly makes sense. And does it mean that your customer can as well decide to do not use AI and still be able to use the product, or like some of these features are just not going to really work without this AI layer? Yeah, no, they can certainly use our product without using AI, but there are certain features that our AI delivers that they would not be able to do automatically. So as an example, we have a, a an object or a feature in our product called customer feedback, which is the voice of the customer, if you will, from win-loss surveys and things like that. When they import the survey data from our survey solution or someone manually imports customer feedback, they're creating a feedback record with a lot of text. Right. And the AI can automatically detect the sentiment of that feedback, whether it's positive, negative, or neutral. And then we use that AI sentiment where we can do trending. Of course, if they're not going to use AI, we can't automatically today tag what that sentiment is, whether it be positive, negative, or neutral. So they would be able to capture that feedback. They just wouldn't be able to automatically identify what the sentiment of that text is. They could manually choose if it's positive, negative, and so forth. And that's just one example. The other great example of why we introduced the AI is that 
we can use, we use the AI to look at patterns over time, such as look at the past three months, six months of all the win-loss surveys from customers, why they won, why they chose you, or why they didn't choose you. And we use OpenAI to look at themes, positive and negative themes from all of those win-loss surveys. Without AI, it involves someone looking through all of those win-loss records and trying to denote the patterns themselves, right? So that's really the benefit of AI is taking a large amount of data and summarizing that into certain themes or tags or or a decision driver. So yes, they can use our product. They're just not going to get some of the benefits that I just explained. That's very interesting because like when you describe the sentiment analysis, it sounds relatively straightforward. You have like a single survey, you just take a text, extract sentiment, but like, Looking on this few months of historical data to find trends, it means that you are sending quite lots of information to AI, right? So how exactly it works? Do you expect the user to literally run this operation or it works in kind of in the backend of the application? Yeah, there's like, take an example of the feedback record. And the feedback record in our system is the standard core record that we track all feedback from any source. And that's the whole point of this centralizing voice of the customer feedback. So whether it's internal, external, from surveys, NPS surveys, win-loss surveys, it's all creating feedback records. And as you stated, when an individual survey is completed, we can we use AI to denote the sediment, right? But then on the feedback tab itself, on kind of the list record, there's another button that says summarize, okay? And when they push that button, that calls OpenAI and sends a certain amount of data to OpenAI to produce the overall trends. And then it comes back into Salesforce and is saved in a summary record. Now, the parameters that we have in that, to your question is we, by default, look back at the past 50 win-loss surveys or 50 NPS surveys and so forth, instead of looking at the last five years once someone has that amount of data. So for right now, we're limiting that time frame that we're looking at, and we'll continue to expand that and explore other avenues there, but we are looking at a certain time frame. So the data is fairly substantial, but not extensively as so where it's going to cause any limits with the AI integration. So it sounds like you pick enough data to bring value to the end user, but it's like possible to send them literally in a single API call to OpenAI. Does it sound fair? Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, and and we thought that was appropriate because as an example, if you look at win-loss surveys, your product evolves over time, right? So if you look at a win-loss from five years ago, it's probably not as relevant and important as the last year, of course. right? Because your product has changed over time and your customer base or ICP might have changed, things like that. That's, that makes sense. And maybe let's speak for a moment about the go-to-market, because I think for many ISVs, like, they're thinking how to add AI to their products, but I'm guessing that on the level of literally more strategic planning, how to make your go-to-market, what are personas and so on, the current possibilities even of ChatGPT probably can be very helpful in this area. What do you think? In going to market with our product? I would say even in planning, go to market for any company. Like I'm curious, do you see like generative AI as a good use case to help yourself to make literally self-coaching, plan this kind of things and yeah, figure out what should be your go to market? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point because what our product offers is actually helping customers go to market, right? Which is ICPs, personas, win-loss analysis, competitive enablement, and so on. So that's exactly what our product is doing. 
in the benefit of our product versus going directly to chat GPT, right? You can go to chat GPT just as an example and say, give me what you think is our differentiators against this competitor. Okay. And it's going to go across the internet and look for areas where they think might be differentiators for you versus your product, given some description of your product. But what OpenAI or ChatGPT doesn't have outside of Salesforce is it doesn't have direct feedback from your customers. It doesn't have why you actually won or why you actually lost against a certain competitor. So that's the benefit of having it on Salesforce is that we combine that data using OpenAI and say, look into your win-loss reviews, look into your internal feedback, Also, which we do automatically, is we look into the last G2 reviews, as an example, of your competitors and yourself, pros and cons, and we combine that into OpenAI produces, okay, this is what we think your key value propositions and differentiators are as a company. So today, what we're doing is three things. We're looking at all internal feedback. We're looking at win-loss analysis surveys from customers, and we're looking at G2 reviews. And we're going to expand outside of just G2. So we're going to be supporting, you know, Trust Radius and Captera and some others. We just started with the initial release with uh, G2 review data. And that G2 review data that we're getting into the system is from a, it's not, it's from a direct API into the system. And then we use OpenAI on top of the data that's already in our system for that G2 data, if that makes sense. So it sounds like lots of value is coming just from the fact that you have all this extra data and literally you can bring this context to AI. So then it can be like very specific to the specific company situation. And what about access to things which are not in Salesforce? Do you have some capabilities to pulling some data out of internet or is it something on your roadmap already? It's on our roadmap today. The What we are pulling from the internet today is A, G2 reviews, B, We're scraping LinkedIn data, company data mostly. And what else? Do we have anything else today that's directly from the internet? Well, we're scraping news data like Google News and blog posts and and things like that from the internet directly outside of OpenAI. But then we're using that OpenAI to look at that data. It sounds like literally we are talking more and more, not only about the right data, but about this agent-like interface when we are saying, hey, AI, please go for it, find data, make the report, give me some insights, right? So do you see it like as some potential automation in case of the future development? Yeah, we are looking at kind of a chat type interface, as you mentioned. The obvious use case for us would be on an opportunity, sales rep could use the kind of chat interface to say, hey, I'm competing with this competitor. This is what they look like. What do you recommend? Today, what we do is we surface lightning component on the opportunity. We surface a competitor battle card so they can see the data from the battle card, right? Right on the opportunity, like some of our competitors do as well. But it's not like a chat interface today. It's more of a visualization from the battle card. Using a summarization from OpenAI, right? On the battle card that's surfaced on the opportunity. That's what we're doing today. But eventually, to your point, whether we do it ourselves, whether we use... Einstein AI to do that, we'll evaluate that. But yeah, that that is on our roadmap to have kind of a chat interface on various records where they can just, hey, what should we do in this case? We're competing on this deal, things like that. And what I think is uh, probably hard decision is how to set priorities because there are so many awesome things which you can do with AI. But on the other hand, with a brand new application, it's lots of 
important stuff like even I don't know test drive trial force or operation setting processes right so what is your approach how to tackle the priorities just like our product does we'll evaluate that based on customer feedback as well and and where they see the the best use cases for their organization then we'll prioritize that again we just launched a couple of weeks ago so we're very early here we want to kind of wait for customer feedback outside of the open AI integration that we've delivered I will say if I didn't already, one thing that we, we did do is we created a API with our OpenAI integration that we call, and it's a generic API that can be called from Flow, and we created our own version of Prompt Builder, okay? So we have a, a tab called Prompts where we deliver our prompts, like I mentioned, the customer sentiment, the feedback, themes, things like that, but our customers can create their own prompts and then use Flow to call OpenAI and then it returns the data and then they can decide where they want to put that data. So we did we did include a, what's called a, our prompt builder, basically. It's probably not as sophisticated as Salesforce, but basically you put in a prompt name and we have defaults into the OpenAI version. We're obviously using GPT-4 or OpenAI version four, but when it when five comes out, they can upgrade to five. They can update some of the parameters that you're probably familiar with, like the temperature and, and things like that. So yeah, we know we intentionally did that. We actually built it initially to be kind of hard-coded, if you will, but then decided, hey, it makes sense to kind of API this so that other customers can add their own prompts. And, and that's what we've done. Hmm. It can be a very interesting topic because I recently seen some story about one of their car manufacturing company who made kind of a chatbot on their website with OpenAI in the backend. And then as a customer, you can literally start negotiating with the chatbot and at the end buy, let's say buy the car for $1 if you spend enough time. And I'm curious, like with having this kind of the prompt management system, the, of course, it can potentially bring some risk that the app is going to give some unexpected results. So is it going to be something exposed to end users or just available to system administrators? No, this would be something that's just the system administrators and the company decide, hey, we want to use your AI, open AI integration, maybe for a couple more use cases. And then the expectation is, uh, as you're familiar with, is you need to test the prompts, test different types of prompts, different versions of prompts, because depending on the prompt, you're going to return different data. And we had to do a lot of testing in variation on our delivered prompts even to make sure that we are getting data that we thought is accurate. And we state that to our customers that, look, use this data, recognizing that it might not be perfect depending on what OpenAI is returning. So really, it's up to them to say, hey, we'd like to test this other use case and see the values that we're getting. And if we think it's the accuracy that we're comfortable with, then go ahead and do that. So th this is the, the prompt builder, if you will, is not something open to every user. This would be just, it's kind of a setup screen, if you will, to say, hey, we want to use this use case. So a good example would be they want to use OpenAI to not only, right now we track the sentiment of text on feedback records, right? Which is a fairly simple use case. Maybe our customers saying, I'd like to track the sentiment value on every case that's created with the description of the case from the customer. They can just add the prompt, use Flow to use our API to call the open AI and then return the sentiment value to custom field on the case record. Okay. Okay. And, and they would do that as an admin, 
not a user as an admin test that out. Yep. Okay. It looks perfect. It's working to our expectation and then decide to roll that out. And you mentioned about very interesting topic because the accuracy is one of these things that as well in Akiva Labs, we spent quite some time on building different products with OpenAI. What we found that for some more complex use cases, the accuracy was around 80%. And when we exactly repeat the same prompt, it means that one of five situations, we have the as usuals like below our expectations. So I'm curious how it works in terms of your use cases. Like have you made some analysis or is there a gut feeling that usually it works good enough to be valuable for end customers? I think it's the last point that you made. Based on our testing, it's it's good enough in our use cases anyway. So when it's looking at all of the data, like the biggest use case, the most complex use case, and I wouldn't even say it's that complex, but the most complex use case today is looking at all of that feedback data and summarizing it right into key themes, pros and cons. It's fairly straightforward. And the data that we looked at was whether it be 80, 90 plus accurate because it's a fairly straightforward use case is look at this data and extract some themes from it, right? So it's it's, it's a fairly straightforward use case, even though there's a, a fair amount of data involved. And through our testing, it, it looked pretty good. And, and because we delivered these as prompts in our prompt builder, the customer does have the ability to edit our delivered prompts and say, let me continue to test and see if there's a better prompt than what we've delivered and see if we get better data or more accurate data or data that we think is more accurate. But yeah, for the most part, when we tested the the feedback summarization, it was fairly straightforward because it's just looking at looking at the data, looking at the key elements of that and in summarizing themes. Okay. That makes perfectly sense. So as we're close to the end of time, last question which I would like to ask is related to the feedback analysis because it sounds to me like one of the topics when some ethical considerations, for example, biases related to AI can sometimes occur if you have like lots of feedback coming from even some specific regions or ethnical group, then your AI can start to literally have some bias and came to the conclusion which probably as the owner of this data, you would not exactly be looking for, right? Do you see it as a potential problem or is it something what then as admin with the prompt builder probably your customer will have to figure out? Yeah, I mean, we'll work with them, obviously. But yeah, I think, again, we would work with the customer. They can do some initial or some changes, like you said, to the prompt if they don't think the accuracy is there. But from our testing, again, it was it's fairly straightforward in what we're delivering today. I'm sure we'll get into more complex use cases where we'll need to decide, well, we as a vendor are not comfortable with the data that's being returned and we won't launch that. Or we'll take advantage of Einstein AI or another model and, and see the distinction between the two. And if one's returning better, more accurate values, then we'll use that one instead. But today, I think our, our use cases are fairly straightforward and the accuracy has been has been great. I, what we've also done is we've compared it against some other delivered AIs like G2 has AI in their product now that summarizes pros and cons from reviews, right? And we looked at that and compared that to our output and it was basically the same. So if G2 is comfortable with their AI and summarization for reviews and it's basically the same as ours, then we're comfortable with the output and the accuracy of that. And, And again, we're not necessarily making decisions where it's life and death for 
someone, right? We're making decisions to give more insight into why a customer is winning or losing deals. So using AI is is a, a key component of that, but it's not the only component, right? So there's other values and data that can be looked at in addition to just the AI data. There's other data points such as what industry, what what employee range, what revenue range, and so forth are these are we winning customers, which is what we call the ideal customer profile. So they can combine that with win-loss data that's summarized by AI to make more informed decisions. Exactly. So it sounds like for your application and for your use cases, like lots of value, but the risk are kind of under control because all of these extra factors. Awesome. Thank you a lot one more time for having time with us and sharing your insights. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you so very much for tuning into this episode of AI Innovations Meets App Exchange. We hope you enjoyed the insightful discussion and found this episode valuable. To stay updated on our latest episodes, be sure to sign up for our newsletter and never miss a beat. If you have any questions or want to engage with us further, we'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Until next time, keep exploring the exciting world of AI and App Exchange.